Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. So we're going to continue in our series on Paul. We're talking about Paul, the life of Paul. We're just extracting some things from his life. And um, one, of the, one of the reasons I titled this series Fighting the Good Fight of Faith is because when you think about Paul, Paul fought a fight, but he didn't fight a fight of life. It wasn't like he's just fighting a fight of life or fighting some other fight. He fought the good fight of faith. The fight of faith. And so that's a question I think we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask this question to yourself. Are you fighting, not just are you fighting a good fight, you know, not just are you standing up, not just are you a voice, but are you fighting the good fight of faith? You know, that, and that's one of the things. I mean, as you struggle sometimes through life, as you go through some of the things you go through, what is your fight? It's not just that you are fighting. Because a lot of people fought. You know, people say, I've fought all my life. <laughs> but um, what have you been fighting for? You know, Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. And we need to be able to say that at the end of our life. So we've been extracting some things from Paul's life that help us along the way. And today I want to talk a little bit, just for a few moments, about being led by God. Being led by God. Paul can certainly show us how to be led by God. Last week we looked at the road to Damascus experience and how Ananias, someone that many of us uh, have heard the name, but really what do we know about Ananias? And we still don't know a lot about this man Ananias, but we do know now how critical he was to the New Testament, Right. Because uh, Ananias is the one that went into hostile territory. He went into a hostile's house, Mr. Judas, who sided with Paul to bring the Christians back and throw him in jail. Uh, he went into that house and talked to this hostile Saul from Tarsus and laid his hands on him. Right. And, and returned to him his sight. The Holy Spirit did through Ananias. So without Ananias ministering to Paul, we don't have the vision that God gave Paul in the New Testament. How important is somebody who would seemingly be so insignificant? And so that, that was our lesson is that you're not insignificant. You don't know where you fit in the grand scheme of things. But God has a plan and you play a big part in that plan. And, you know, I, I stated before many times, I'm a person who loves a good mystery. That's, that's me. Some people like uh, comedy or they like to be entertained in different ways, you know. But to me, I like a good mystery. I, I love the series CSI, you know, that was on for years. In fact, when I was very young, uh, what got me interested in reading at all was Encyclopedia Brown books. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Encyclopedia Brown. It looks like Brother Jim may have. Um, some of you may not, but he just, you know, it was, he was this kid detective sort of. And, and, you know, I loved all of these mysteries. And I think as you, Paul certainly led a life to me that was a mystery. You had to discern things along the way, right? He, he may not even have known uh, these things were thrown into his path, just as we don't. We don't. Sometimes we'll get to a certain point in life and we look back and we say, wow, that's why 
I went through what I went through. That's, this is why I went through what I went through. But while you're going through it, you don't really know. So as we highlight certain stops along this three-year missionary journey that Paul had, we're going to be looking for some ways that God leads us in our own journey with him. Amen. God leads us in our own journey, being led by God. This, what we're about to look at here is in Acts chapter 15. Uh, if you want to turn there or go there on your device, we'll have it on the screen in just a moment as well. But what we're going to look at actually is Paul's second missionary journey. Okay, Paul had been out. He'd, they laid hands on him at Antioch and he went out um, with Barnabas and they planted some churches. Right. They, they ministered to people. They ministered the gospel. They planted some churches. And now they're at a, a point where they're saying, we want to go back and see how everybody's doing. These churches we planted and these Christians that came to the Lord. So if you look at Acts chapter 15, verse 36, the Bible says this. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take them, take with them John, who was called Mark, wrote the, wrote the book of Mark. But Paul insisted <clears throat> that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Paphilia and had not gone with them uh, to the work. Then the con there was a contention. <laughs> then the contention became so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Flip over to Acts chapter 16, just a page over there or on the next page there, and look at just one verse, verse 3. Uh, the Bible says there that Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him. Now this, I'll talk about this in just a moment. This is, he's talking about Timothy here, but I just won't read the whole thing. He's talking about Timothy, and I'll talk about this. And uh, he, want, he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew his father was Greek. So Paul took Silas, and he went down to a couple of places, and he came upon a city, and he found Timothy. And that's where we are in verse 3 there of chapter 16. He wanted Timothy to go on with him and Silas, and he circumcised him. Uh, a, a point of note, I won't go over to the scripture, but you remember Titus. There's also a book in the Bible called Titus, and Titus was another guy, like Timothy, uh, sort of a son to Paul. P Titus was a true Gentile through and through, just a Gentile. And uh, Paul had Titus with him and he was talking to some folks and he said, look, Titus is a Gentile. He's saved. He doesn't need to be circumcised. But here in this verse, you see Paul circumcised Timothy. So we'll talk about that in a, in a moment. But just very briefly, I just want to give you three keys to being led by God. Something I've extracted, God, the Holy Spirit has extracted from this little passage here about us being led by God. This, how many know that in this day and age, with all that we're going through, I was thinking about, I was at his, uh, my son's graduation yesterday. They had a graduation at the high school. They were able to finally do that out uh, in the, on the football field. And they had all these, some six, 700 kids out there and those who would come. And um, 
One of the things the salutatorian uh, gave her speech, and one of the things that she said that really hit home, I thought about this before, but it kind of hit home when she was saying this, was all the things that th their generation has gone through. Those who are 18, 19 years old. They were born during 2001, 9-11. In fact, my son was born a couple weeks after 9-11. Okay, it happened. And so they were born during 9-11. They went through all of the Iraq war and everything that we did in the mid-2000s. And they saw the economic crisis we had in 2008. They were around for Osama bin Laden when we caught him in America. Uh, finally brought him to justice um, in the most justified way, you might say. And um, they've been around for all of the, the, the social issues that we've had and coronavirus, right, and what we're going through now. This generation has seen a lot, you know, uh, they've seen a lot and they've endured a lot and they've overcome a lot. And how many know that this day and age and the time that we're living in now, we as Christians need more than ever to be led by God. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit, not our feelings. Come on, not the environment, not what we hear, not the pundits on news channels, uh, not what society says, not history, not our experiences, our experience. All of those things work together. We can take it all in. That's what you have to do as a Christian. Look at everything, take it all in, and, you know, throw out what doesn't work. <laughs> Anything uh, you measure, you measure it according to the word of God. So we can take it all in, but we're not led by any of those things. We're not led by the, uh, I was going to say the newspaper, but nobody's led by the newspaper anymore, I guess. But we're not led by news, CNN.com or Fox.com or MSNBC.com or any of those things. We're not led by that. We have to be led by God. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I, again, another cliche-ish scripture, but... You know, I sometimes I'm like, well, that that scripture is so cliche. I don't want to keep using the same scripture over and over, you know, but it's true. If my people who are called by my name, what's it say, would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, then I, God, will hear, turn from their wicked ways, repent. That's what that means. Repent. By the way, a side note, um, the Bible says that uh you know, God, the, the Bible in one scripture says that God repented. Anybody ever read that? One version says that God repented. But God didn't repent from sin. All God did was just turn. Here's, what I, here's why I say that. Because I was thinking about this last week. I don't, and I don't, don't worry, we won't be here all day. But I was thinking about this last week. Um, you know, I, I looked at how um, there were times when God said something. Remember, he came to Hezekiah. I think, I don't know if I talked about this at the men's meeting or with someone I was talking. He came to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, get your affairs in order. You're going to die. That's it. It's over. That's what God, God said these words to the prophet to give to Hezekiah. Okay. And Hezekiah turned to the wall. He began to pray and he began to recount to the Lord his life and uh, just petition before God. God heard Hezekiah and said, go tell Hezekiah I'm giving him 15 more years. We know that story, right? God heard him and said, I'll give you 15 more years. Uh, uh, there's many stories like this, but one other one was when he said, look, Sodom is a mess. Sodom's a hot mess, and uh, I'm sick of that. So I'm destroying everything in Sodom. I'm, I'm sending some comets or whatever he was sending, and I'm, I'm destroyed by fire. It's done. Abraham said, Abraham said, Lord, 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 wait, time out. 
what if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom? He said, okay, if you find 50 righteous, then I'll do that. What about 40? What about 30, 20, 10? You know the story. And he said, sure. And obviously he couldn't find that many. He only found Lot, his wife, and his kids. And so he ended up destroying Sodom. But the point is he listened. Here's what I want to tell you this morning is that God listens to his people. Even if you feel like God has made up his mind about something, at least let's go and stand in the gap. You know, I don't know what God's thinking about even America right now. Maybe God's thinking I'm going to destroy America. I don't know. I've not heard that from any prophet, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I look at Sodom. I look at some other things and I look at America. I, I don't know. But somebody needs to stand in the gap because God listens. God listens to his people. He's proven it. If we would just go to him, right? I know we want to prophesy and we want to, you know, we want to, we want to bring judgment. We want things to be the way that we want them to be. But we heard a great word this morning from Sister Patty, right? I mean, God is ready. God, God is, his ear is here. It's, it's almost like God is sitting here saying, listen, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm destroying everything. What you got to say about it? Anybody? 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 Does anybody care? You know, God just wants us to come. Seek my face while I may be found. If we would go to him, we would go to him. And so we need to be led by God. So three things that you, you gather from this. How are we to be led by God? What are three things, keys to being led by God? Well, number one, we have to uh, be invested in others' growth. And when I say invested, not just care, not just say, oh, I hope other people grow in the Lord. But we have to understand that others' growth is important to your growth. We have to understand that. This is why Paul said, listen, let's go back and see how they are doing. Paul was interested in discipleship, not just evangelism. You know, we want to go out and get a bunch of people saved and get them into church. But listen, they need to be discipled. People need to grow because you grow when the body grows. If you want to be led by God to be able to discern what path I should take, which way I should walk, it's going to require you to have genuine concern for others. And that, my friends, is moving past compassion. That's moving past empathy. And that's having a burden. You see, a burden is something that says, I, I, I can't move forward without addressing this issue. A burden is not one that says, listen, I'll tell some people about the Lord, but, you know, it's up to them whether they accept God or not. True, isn't it? That's a truth. Uh, you, you, we can't save people. I can't save someone. All I can do is minister to them. But a burden would say, well, I know that's all I can do. I can't make them love the Lord, but I can continue to minister to them. I can continue to pray for them. If I see them, I won't beat them over the head with the Bible, but I'll always encourage them. And also, I'll live a life that's worthy of the calling that God put upon me. That way, when they see me, they'll glorify God. They'll glorify God. So we have to have genuine concern. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, whatever you're calling, whatever your purpose in God, you know, I want you to consider others over yourself. That's what God would say to you. Seems to be harder and harder because we live in a me-focused society today, don't we? 
In fact, society probably has always been that way in one way or another. And so, but if God says, if you want to discern what I'm saying, if you want to discern my purpose for your life, if you want to discern your steps that I have ordered, then you have to be others oriented. And it has to come from your heart. It can't just be as uh, eye service, as one scripture says. Men pleasers, you can't do it just for them. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we look at the life of Paul and we see how dedicated he was to the gospel and how focused he was on fulfilling God's plan for his life. And we can obviously tell uh, by some of the things uh, that he says, especially toward the end of his life. I've, I've fought the good fight of faith. But he says things like Philippians 3, 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I believe the King James puts it, I, I consider it dung. <laughs> Those are pretty strong words. Whatever I've gained for the sake of Christ, I consider it loss. He told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 15, he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He's others-oriented. He's others-oriented. He's genuinely concerned about the growth of others. And so we have to be concerned. And so God would say to us, start there. Start there. Consider others better than yourself. Love Jesus. And that will be the basis for me to be able to give you my leading in your life. So others' growth is, is important to your own growth. The second thing that we have to understand, and I'll explain this. Don't, don't, don't freak out because you see what I'm putting up here. What you divide, God will multiply. What? What is he saying there? What you divide, God will multiply. I could have put that so many different ways. But we see here out of the concern for others and, their, and the others walk for God, they, they wanted to go back and see how the others were doing, how they were coming along. But it would appear that this second missionary journey didn't start out so well. Because these two men of God, these, 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 these two giants in the Lord, I mean, come on, Barnabas is also Ananias, as, as responsible as Ananias is for Paul following God's leading. So is Barnabas, a father, really, an older brother, a mentor to Paul. Right. And so here you have Paul and Barnabas and verse 37 says that Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them. But Paul insisted that they not take him because he left them back in Pamphylia, probably because things got too hard. I don't know how many have been on the missionary field. I know we, we have a missionary and some of you have been on the mission field, uh, but it can get difficult. It can get hard. And the Bible says that the contention between them got so sharp because Paul said, look, uh, you know, Mark, he's okay, but he's not ready. You know, this, this, is, this is not for the, the weak in heart out here on the missionary field. I mean, listen, we might, we might get stoned. We might, we might even be martyrs before it's all over with. This is not easy. People are not going to treat you nicely. We're going to come across people filled with demons. And we might have to cast them out. We're going to come across people who come against us. And this is not for the weak in heart. And Mark, as soon as things got hard, he left. This young man left. And so we're not taking him with us, Barnabas. I understand you're my, you're my mentor and all that, but we're not taking him. The Bible says it got contentious. 
Barnabas said, look here, young man. Now, see, I've seen into the future, and I know you're going to write most of the New Testament, but right now, you and me, and we are taking Mark. You got a second chance. Why doesn't he get a second chance? And Paul said, I'm all about second chances, but listen, he might get us all killed. Barnabas said, if he does, so what? What are you out here for? Thinking about others? You just said you think about others. Is he not another? I mean, they were going at it, folks. Come on. Put yourself in the place of these two men of God. And they're going at it. And the Bible said that the argument uh, got so contentious that they were having th this argument over Mark. Uh, and, and they just, they said, all right, forget it. You know what? Barnabas said, Mark's rolling with me. You, you swoop up Silas and you go your own way. Mark's rolling with me. He's, he's going. I'm not just going to send him home. Paul said, fine, I'm swooping up Silas, and Silas is going with me. You go with Mark, let Mark go with you, he'll probably leave you. I don't know what he's going to do, but you go your way, and I'm taking Silas. And so they split. And you would think, man, this is a, this is a bad way to go. This is a bad way to go. I mean, because Paul was saying, look, you know, this young man is not fit for the mission field. And Barnabas is saying, look, why would we not give the young man a second chance? But here's the thing. One of the things we have to realize is that, you know, in the church, Godly people and godly leaders won't always agree on things like methods, like methods. They weren't arguing over whether Jesus died on the cross. They were just arguing over which way are we going to do this? You know, how long is church going to be? Uh, how many songs are we going to have in church? Come on, what color is the carpet? They're arguing over, over methods. You know, the, are, are the children going down as soon as they, 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 they come into the church? Are they going right to children's church? Or do they sit through praise and worship and then go down to children's church? That, this, this is kind of what they're arguing over. Come on. And I just want you to know, we won't always agree on methods. And guess what? It's okay. We don't need to always agree on methods. The church is not going to fall apart because we don't agree on these secondary issues of methodology. That is okay. It's no one's fault. Sometimes as Christians, we think the only right way of doing things is my way. <laughs> Come on. We think that. Sometimes we think the only right way. I thought it through. I prayed about it. I feel like the Lord spoke to me at 3 a.m. this morning. And this is what we should do. We should have coffee every Sunday, not just the first Sunday. That's the Lord. And if we don't, the church is going to fall apart. <laughs> These are the things we argue over. <laughs> but what we find now is, watch this now. Paul and Barnabas were going out on their second missionary journey. Now, instead of one team going out, God got two teams going out in two different directions. Where you divide, God will multiply. He'll multiply it. Come on. And so when it comes to philosophy and methodology of ministry, it's okay that we do things a little different as long as what happens multiplies and not minimizes the ministry. If we can say it multiplies and doesn't minimize it, then we can say, all right, we're okay. I mean, if you're going to have some kind of contention over a method because you think it can be done a better way, well, then do it <laughs> or submit to do it the way that the other person said one or the other. But let's do the work of the Lord. Let's not stop doing work because we don't agree. Right. Paul and Barnabas split. It wasn't ideal, but there was nothing really wrong with it. There was nothing really wrong with it. 
Because now God has two missionary teams going out. We have to think about that as we argue over stuff. What happens is the enemy wants us to argue over stuff and then he keeps us right there. God's saying, look, if you're going to argue, argue and then come on, make a decision, let's go because I got stuff to do. I already seen what's going to happen. So y'all can fuss about it, but I already know what's going to happen. And let's continue to move forward. That's what God wants us to do. Can we continue to move forward? And I would say that about your life. There's a lot of things that happen in your life where you, to me, I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. There's a lot of things that have happened in my life to me and because of me. Probably mostly because of me. And I've said, Lord, what in the world? This is horrible. I can't believe this. Why is this happening to me? And then later on, I look back and say, oh, I see why that's happening to me. I've told some of you the story about how when I worked at AT&T, I got really good at this one position I was in. And I mean, I, was, I knew a lot of stuff, man. I was leading teams. I was leading a Midwestern team, person from Milwaukee and a person from Chicago and New York and uh, Pennsylvania and all these places. And I was over the team and I, I got really good at it. And all of a sudden they said, we're shutting down your center and you have a choice to either move to Detroit or you lose your job. And I said, man, I know I'm not moving to Detroit. That's not God's will for me. I'm not moving to Detroit. I don't even like Michigan. I'm from Ohio originally. So I'm not, I'm not even crossing through Michigan. Some of you Purdue, Indiana fans might understand that. But I, and I said, man, I said, God, you, you have me in this position. You have me raising up. And not only that, where I was, we, we had started a Bible study. And about 80 people started coming to Bible study from this AT&T downtown in Indianapolis. I mean, we, you know, we've got built this thing up and I'm going, what, what are you doing, Lord? You might not understand how this thing works. Like with evangelism, Lord, what we want to do is we want to build, you know, I was trying to tell him. And, uh, but God said, no, I got a plan. And then, so what ended up happening is I, I, I got a call and I got a job at a, it was AT&T with engineering, which I knew nothing about. I did not go to school to be an engineer. I don't know anything about engineering, not even the train engineer or the guy who writes the thing down. I didn't know either one of those types of engineers, but I went over there. Lord, why do you have me here? I learned it, got good at it, and then all of a sudden we started a Bible study there. Somebody came to me and said, I heard you, had a Bible, you guys had a Bible study downtown. You think we could start one here? Different office. Okay, Lord, I see what you're trying to do. So what you divide, God will multiply. God will multiply. He knows exactly why the things happen in your life. So we have to be others-oriented. Others' growth is important to our growth. What you divide, God will multiply. And then thirdly and lastly, we have to pursue peace over offense, folks. We have to pursue peace over offense. As much as it is possible, live peaceably with all men. That means everybody. Everybody. Paul takes Silas with him to Tarsus. Now watch this. Paul takes Silas with him to Tarsus, and then they went on to Derby and Lystra. And uh, in Lystra, that's where he actually found Timothy. That was a city where Paul meets Timothy, and they would become friends. Paul would become like a father in the faith to Timothy, and uh, right, they, you know, he would mentor him. And he, Timothy would later pastor a church uh, in Ephesus. Uh, you know, I've kind of looked that up and it, I'm not so sure that Timothy was the actual pastor, but anyway, that's what scholars feel like. And I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm not going to argue 
about that. So, you know, Timothy pastored a church there in Ephesus. I know he was Paul's person in Ephesus to keep peace and to give them the word. So we just assume that he was a bishop, a pastor there in Ephesus. And, uh, and, and But he worked with Silas and Paul and helped uh, found churches, notable churches. Thessalonica, Philippi, Timothy was there for all of those. Corinth, even. Timothy was there for all of those. And um, that's why I, I read this verse 3. Paul wanted to have him go on with him from Lystra. He's talking about Timothy. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. Now, some might say, well, Paul, you didn't circumcise Titus. So are you compromising here? Are you compromising? But you have to understand because Paul and Silas would be ministering to Jewish uh, people in synagogues, okay? And Timothy was Jewish on his mother's side. His father was Greek. All right, some of you know that. Uh, he didn't want to offend the Jews. Now, some of us would say, well, look, that's the word of the Lord. So I don't care. The, the word goes out like a two-edged sword, uh, right? Splitting even the spirit and soul. And uh, if it offends you, that's just too bad because that's the word of God. That's just the way it is. And the only thing I would say to you is, again, that's a truth. The word does offend sin. But who are you trying to win? <laughs> and who are you going to win with that attitude? You think when you go before the Lord, you say, Lord, I told the truth. I gave the scriptures out. I quoted it. I memorized it and I gave it to him and I told him like it is. You know, he's going to say, who did you bring to Christ? That's the question. Who did you bring to Christ? Who did you bring without compromising? Who did you bring to Christ? And that's more important than you being right. That's what we have to understand. We have to pursue peace over offense. And so Paul knew something very, very key. He knew that as they go into these synagogues, now as I said before, he went before some people and he said, look, Titus is 100% Gentile. He does not need to be circumcised. The boy is saved. And I'm going to leave it at that. Don't worry about it. But Timothy, he knew. Timothy was half Jewish. They were going into the synagogues, and he knew he would offend the Jews. And if he offended the Jews, Brother James, that means that he wouldn't win them. In fact, he might not even get an audience in the synagogue because their focus is on this Jew who's not circumcised. Did he need to be to get saved? No. But Paul knew if we want to speak to these people, He's going to have to be circumcised because why? It's an outward show of an inward change. Sure, it's part of the old covenant. Sure, it's part of that. But it's not going to hurt Timothy. It's not going to keep, it's not going to keep him out of heaven. Uh, he might be uncomfortable for a little while, but he'll get over it. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. You know, we talk a lot about our liberty in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. There is a freedom where the spirit of the Lord, and we are so thankful that there is a freedom. But we also, we can't just take one scripture out and, and build a whole doctrine on a scripture like so many of us have. 1 Peter 2.16 also says, do not use your liberty. And I like the King James, and I think the, new, the King James at least says this. Don't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. I just love that term. A cloak of, it sounds so ominous, doesn't it? Don't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. In other words, what it's saying is don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. You have the freedom, 
But don't use it in that way. Use it to get people to Christ. So what it boils down to is, is not whether or not uh, you can do something. God says, if you really want my leading, I want you to be the kind of person that doesn't go out of your way to offend others, even in the name of right. Don't go out of your way to it. Now, again, there's two sides to every coin. Of course we have coin. Of course we have to tell the truth. But we're, well, I'm talking about being led by the Spirit. See, God has a way. Of, of having you confront a situation and, and being able to tell the truth in such a way that it penetrates and it offends sin without you offending the person. God knows how. We don't really know how to do that. You know, we might, we might compromise or shrink back or we might come across uh, too harsh and offend the person and drive them away. And it still doesn't accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. But he knows how to do that. God will always lead you in a way that doesn't offend others, but it does offend sin. That He knows how to do that. He knows how to do that. So we must pursue peace. So have a vested interest in others' growth. Understand what you divide. God will multiply. That also applies to things in your life that happen that you don't understand why I went through this. And then don't go out of your way to offend others. Because what we, re what we need right now uh, in this world, come on, not just in this country, but our Christians who will stop arguing over masks and politics and all of those things and start worrying about or being concerned with glorifying Jesus to let others know that he is the only way. He's the only one that can be pre bring peace in the storm, right, in this time of turmoil. You know, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, I'll leave you with this. We read this book when I was in this class. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Phil, gave some of us men years ago called Joshua Men. He took us through a year's course. And one of the books we had to read was called Celebration of Discipline. And this guy, Richard Foster, he said this. He said that superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction uh, is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today, now listen to this. This is what I'm leaving you with. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people. We all want to be intelligent. I do. I want to sound smart when I talk to you. We don't need a greater number of gifted people. A lot of people are anointed. A lot of people are gifted. A lot of people can sing. A lot of people can speak. They can play instruments. They can do all sorts of things. But for deep people, what does that mean? That doesn't mean fake deep people. That doesn't mean people who, are try, who, who say things that sound deep. It means people who pursue God with a relentlessness and a, and a burden, and they seek his face, and they only want what God wants. That's what we need today, a people who only want, I only want, Lord, I have my way of thinking, but I only want, Lord, what you want. That's what I want. That's what I want.